Hello and welcome to Beyond Top 10 Tennis. My name is Dr. Ashley Morganberge and I'm your host. I'm the author of 11 books, a CEO of 12 years, a founder of a startup set on data privacy, but most importantly, I'm an elite performance coach of over 18 years, having worked with athletes throughout Europe, the United States to Australia. And I think most excitingly, I am the world's leading scientist on coach and athlete performance that uses tennis as a blueprint that uncovers how to develop a top 10 tennis player. But I think most specifically is that my work has uncovered how to develop a top 10 tennis player and that is why we are here. Um, I'm behind theories from the optimal performance theory, the V by Dr. B to the rule of transference. I've coined terms from the barrier breaker to the golden rule. And look, as has become custom in each episode, I dive into one of my books to share additional insights so we can just dig a bit deeper and share just those uh, additional insights so we can nudge that that little bit more closer towards that top 10 tennis ranking. And look, we've been focusing on the secrets to optimal performance success, a comprehensive discussion on developing elite coaches and players. And look, today's episode is no different from, I guess, the previous ones. It's something I guess I'm I'm really passionate about. And it's going to wrap up, I guess, a couple of episodes all into one with what we're talking about today. So as always, buckle in and enjoy the ride. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, look, if you've been following along for now, thank you so much. You know what we're all about. Um, if this is your first episode you're tuning into, uh, thank you so much as well. Um, I really hope you enjoy what we're all about and how we're nudging that much closer towards that top 10 tennis ranking. Now, look, if you want to follow along today, we're on page 142, discrete and serial skills, restoring and relearning movement. Um, But I think today's episode, it's really, I think, piggybacking off our previous episode, where we we touched on, you know, athlete development and and the importance of skills. And I think, how learning skills these days is quite different and the approach taken is quite different compared to you know that 10 20 years ago but it's really important to remember these skills can still be taught in the same way um, in you know in retrospect but it's it's the approach it's, it's about how you go to relate with your player or athlete and your you have the capacity to engage them but it's also about the familiarity that that play athlete has you know uh, that 10 20 years ago uh, children were more often than not learning these skills uh, at school or after school just playing with their friends outdoors now that it's not as I think saturated as it once used to be where uh, children were 
almost you know they're forced to play outside and I guess if you're in my generation you, you understand that where the option to stay inside and you know have your screen time whether it's on your iPad or your mobile phone you know 10 years ago you were lucky if you had that mobile phone and mobile phones were very different back then and streaming services that they didn't really exist <laughs> I think if you had access to them um, you were in the, the vast minority in that respect and as far as gaming is concerned because we know that is um, a very big market these days and that still is assimilated with screen time uh, even though that was I think apparent um, back then it's nowhere near the scope of it is today so we're looking at relevance and we're looking at the ability to build that rapport to have that effective uh, coach athlete relationship now if obviously you dismiss these areas that makes you I guess less relatable with your player athlete and when you're looking to engage them it's not necessarily always about what it is on the tennis court that engages them. If you can bring in external influences, it's even more powerful. Because look, we like taking or being mindful of that we're all human, <laughs> so that humanized approach. And when we're able to go, you know, that play athlete is also a child. It's incredibly important. It's incredibly, uh, I think, powerful to remember that, that they're not just that player and or athlete, um, especially, I think, in the, the wider scope of things in, in this respect. Um, but when we're looking at, you know, the serial skills and the development of that and the just restoring and relearning that movement, it's... The restoring and the relearning essentially is about if that child and or athlete has learned one skill, but it's actually at a detriment. And look, I touch on this because a lot of my work over the years has involved this, is that unfortunately that, you know, that child, that player, that athlete has been taught a skill and let's be hopeful that it's been in the, in the best intentions but the, the, the foundations of that skill need to be redone because not only is it not an optimal performance parameter, um, it actually obviously is at a detriment potentially to the athlete where they're placed at a risk of developing an injury, whether that's in one year, two years, you know, six months or 10 years. Because we have to remember that a lot of I guess hidden injuries they're not as apparent now they're the reason why when we follow that 10-year pathway why you see athletes that you know they're at the junior grand slam and you already see them taped up they're already carrying some sort of injury and it's not uncommon for that to happen um, we you just need to go as far as you know looking at the top 300 players if, if we're looking at 300 in the world to 100 so that, you know that 200 range there more often than not you're going to have at least 20% as, as a bare minimum with tape 
in some way, shape or form or an injury in some way, shape or form developed throughout the season, which is incredibly sad and disheartening. But more often than not, they just don't have the, the skills to know how to mitigate that. Um, and you, the, the same is the case for the top 100, though those injuries we like to think is are not as dominant because they have access to better tools and when we say better tools uh, typically the coaches who have access to this knowledge um, are working with those players progressing towards the top 10 because we know that a very small percent and when we're taking small we're talking about less than 10 percent of coaches are privy to this now more often than not they're obviously inside the top 10 but if you're familiar with my work, we've touched on obviously what a barrier breaker is. So for those of you who are not familiar, that barrier breaker is, and this is really exciting, is that uh, no more than two to three players every season will cross over into the top 10 and stay there. And that, that's really important to stay there because you obviously do have that fluctuation where you go in and out, in and out. And a couple of players do that, sometimes more than that two, three per season. But we look at the beginning of the season and the end of the season, how many can stay there. So, and we know why they stay there, which is incredibly powerful. But all of this, it's like, you know, what, what's the point here? It's we know what it takes to stay there and obviously stay healthy and the knowledge gap there and obviously that's with the coach education the framework the systems and it's and it's universal and that's why we've touched on in you know the most recent um, episodes as well is that AMA International made the decision to keep uh, uh, the seven keys accessible for everyone opposed to just one you know coach education providers or one federation specifically because then that cuts it off to you if you are not affiliated with that federation or that coach education provider that means you do not have access so this is especially to the you know the players the athletes and parents out there who would never essentially be affiliated with it's for you coaches you have the potential obviously if you're doing that education or and or that upskilling or you are affiliated with um, your you know national federation you could potentially then but it's a, it's a small minority and I've touched on this countless times that tennis is a global sport and so no one should essentially have to pay the price of not having access to just because they live in a different demographic or you know a different country um, if they don't have access so accessibility and affordability I think is, is fundamental and I, that is I guess the foundation of AMA International anyway I really want to focus on and get back to topic about that skill development and I guess that process or the, the underlying process there so again on the previous episode we touched on that skill development but today it's it's the restoring and relearning and so we've touched on about you know the movement and different principles there and I guess how they can uh, be attributed to developing an injury so what we're talking about is 
how can we set that baseline up from the very beginning to mitigate that? So when we have the knowledge of the seven keys to begin with, for example, when once we understand what a discrete skill is and, and we put the work into that discrete skill to develop the whole serial skill. Now, if, if you look at the serve, there are many pieces involved in developing the serve so that those many pieces are the discrete skill, the discrete skill, the discrete skill, all right, and so forth just so we can obviously build that serial skill. And I think this is often forgotten, that we go straight to the serial skill. So we go straight to, you know, making sure we can just hit a serve and it goes in. And obviously what gets lost along the way is, you know, if one of those discrete skills is out of sync, so to speak, you become more susceptible potentially to developing an injury, whether that's, you know, how your, your shoulder is facing and or rotating to your elbow and how it's positioned, if it's, you know, to internal, external, um, you know, that point of contact is your point of contact in front of you, behind you, too much in front, too much behind, too much to the side, and so, so on and so forth. And, you know, some players can get away with, you know, different, I think, dis discrepancies, we, we call it in this context, um, which is okay because they're still getting the same results. So it's working for them and they're happy. Um, and especially, I think, if the outcome is aligned with, you know, that optimal result, why would you, why would you stop doing that? And it's a valid question. And if you do not understand, I think, that the mechanics of the human body um, or the biomechanics, and I think from that health and well-being perspective to, you know, uh, is, are your muscles, is your frame, you know, equipped for this? And it gets quite detailed, but it, it's not so much about that. It's if you are compromising your body over and over and over again that is putting pressure on certain joints or part of your body over and over again because again you, you serve countless times and imagine how many serves you hit over that uh, i guess a 10-year period it's it's quite substantial and if you were doing that in i guess that movement so that that skill that is putting you know that we'll say that negative pressure on your body of course you're susceptible to developing that injury so we talk about mitigating injuries so reducing the onset of injuries so i cannot tell you how many players now specifically i'll focus on developmental so um, i'll say children aged between so players and athletes alike let's say you know 10 years of age to 18 years of age well i'll just i'll use that broad um, um that that range here how many players that i've worked with essentially who have already got an injury or they're hurting and so because um, again we've touched on previously that you know a lot of players or athletes in this age range they don't know what an injury is unless they're taught, unless it's described to them. If they feel some pain or discomfort, it could be, you know, an ouch. 
it could be the development development or onset of an injury and this is really critical to be able to teach and coach um, a, a child that play athlete what that is because it could just be pushed aside and ignored and again I can't tell you how many players I've worked with over the years who ignore that until they ask specifically the question does that hurt you are you in some type of discomfort um, any pain or give me a rating and that's why it's so key and fundamental to understand obviously your player athlete that child and also for the parent to be involved here to have that uh, conversation to have that discussion with their child about you know pain injury sports and i think that context and to please let us know because if it goes ignored this is obviously where it can get worse and obviously develop into an injury where, where they are actually sidelined but back to obviously you know when they're developing that skill and when it comes to that relearning to reconditioning it comes to you look at this skill that is causing a level of discomfort and the the child the player the athlete they feel like this skill is their normal and so they feel like this is how for, for argument's sake you hit a serve so we're going on the feeling because that's how they've been taught and they've been doing it for so long so if you've been performing a certain task for you know even two three years it's almost automatic it, it's your normal so if you're prompted to do something different it's you're going to hesitate and it's not going to be as natural so when we have to reteach that, recondition that, relearn that, it's quite, a, it's not a fun experience for that player athlete because they're doing something very different. It doesn't feel right to them at this point in time. So it can, it's, it's quite foreign from that perspective. And look, again, when we need to restore those, those serial skills to the discrete skills in there. We, we talk about restoring because we're looking at different uh, points, different points in that technique that could be inhibiting um, the player's performance. And oftentimes it can be very small when you're looking at, you know, the ball toss. Um, well, it can be quite big, but also quite small, whether it's just a slightly more in front or it could just be slightly more back. But it's really looking for that outcome and what feels good to them after you've got those foundations in place. So those foundations are absolutely fundamental. Um, they're paramount. Now, I've been talking uh, for a bit now about this. So let's dive into the chapter and I'm going to read, you know, a, a, a small segment and, and share a little bit more. Look, technique is a funny thing. Once you begin to learn how to do something, you practice and practice until you feel as though you have mastered this, this thing. This thing commonly referred to as technique is not in fact what is being learned. What is being learned is a set of skills, discrete skills to be specific, that make up a movement or action with a beginning and end. 
And this is really important because we want to talk about, you know, the learner's perspective. So it's that child, that player, that athlete, and how it is perceived to them. Obviously, as that coach, as that adult in the room on the court, it's sometimes we can forget this. We're less mindful how that child, that player athlete learns. And this is it's absolutely fundamental to be mindful of this because we want to do it in, in small incremental pieces so we can obviously get there. And it's really that for that, uh, you know, that player, it's the action that they're performing. But for the coach, for the one who's obviously teaching, it is to us those discrete skills, those incremental skills we need to be mindful of to develop so that child, that player can perform the the action as desired. They can perform that action in a more fluid uh, emotion. They can get the feel of that so they know what it should feel like but once that action is it's something else so it doesn't obviously follow you know those functional movement principles that we've touched on also in previous episodes Uh, and when it doesn't follow that they become more uh, susceptible to developing obviously an injury later on Um, but so if they're taught something and that's conditioned in them to feel like that movement that obviously is their normal and we need to remove that then later on um, if it is something that is incorrect that is going to cause an injury and look more often than not it's a staggering number and i'm not going to roll it off um just just for safekeeping but it is a very substantial number um those players out there on the wta and atp tour who are more susceptible to developing an injury now i've touched on this previously you only have to go to you know your local tennis academy tennis club it doesn't matter um and the majority of athletes there are more susceptible also to developing an injury and it obviously feeds back into that coach education the framework and the accessibility uh, to that knowledge base and that more often than not uh, these principles are, are not available and the seven keys are not available because the, se- the seven keys are something that have um, come out in the last less than 10 years <laughs> um, essentially are the last eight years which is very exciting with all the work that's there so that's a um, 10 uh, uh, books in complete uh, to date to follow now we know those who've obviously um, got access to that and that's not the federations and or the coach education providers um, if you obviously do have access to that you're positioning yourself to progress towards the top 10 uh, if you do not have access to that you're putting your players athletes at a disadvantage so obviously if you're if you're listening to beyond top 10 tennis um, I guess that's your window for whether you are a private coach, you're on the de- uh, ATP or WTA tours, um, or you are at your local tennis club, or you're at one of those, you know, those tennis academies, and you've got, you know, those hundreds of students that you're looking after with your team, 
the seven keys are absolute. They are fundamental to begin conditioning your athletes to move them to the next level, to have them on tour, but also to safeguard them. That they're, they're, you know, they're, they're critical. So when we're talking talking about discrete and serial skills, restoring and relearning the movement, once you have these then you, you're almost removing the need to restore and relearn because I think there's not a coach out there who hasn't had that player or athlete come to them where they've had to modify their game. Um, and modifications obviously happen in different ways, shapes and forms. It could simply be a progression um, from you know that serve to tweaking it to um, a better serve, so to speak. But that's not to say that better serve is not leaving that play more susceptible if those discrete skills have not been fine-tuned. So if you have that, you know, that serial skill and you just progress it and progress it without addressing that serial skill, that it's a flag, it's like that red flag for just developing that injury, whether it's in, you know, that 18 months or, you know, that two, three years, that's absolute. The catch. These discrete skills are often confused with technique, and this is where things go wrong. By confusing discrete skills with technique not only limits the skills that are actually a part of a technique, but these other skills are also forgotten, left behind and neglected from being encompassed in the learning and development of the eventual technique. And I think this just talks to, you know, everything that I've just touched on is that these minute skills become forgotten in the grand scheme of things, but they they form the baseline. They're they're absolutely fundamental. Um, And also even more important when we're looking at progressing towards the the top 10 and safeguarding our player long-term. You see, by coupling these discrete skills together leads to the formation of a serial skill, which can then be named and referred to as your technique. And that's obviously, it's it's the building blocks. It's what holds everything together. So you've got discrete, 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 discrete. And at the end of the day, that forms your serial skill, which obviously forms your technique. So if you're not putting the work in to develop that skill as a whole, um, that's obviously where I guess, for lack of better wording, like loose strings are. Um, And absolutely, again, integral when we're looking at restoring and relearning movement. When learning a technique, these discrete skills play a vital role in the development of the technique. Yet, if part of a serial skills component is ignored and not developed in the discrete skill learning phases, a player athlete's technique will suffer. And by suffer, I mean their performance is immediately affected long term. And look, again, obviously by that, we're looking at the long term and the susceptibility for an injury to occur and or you're already 50 30 you know 25 in the world 
and you, you get that niggle that's coming on and you realize obviously that there's a discrete skill that needs say realigning or a realignment there so to speak which means you are already at a, a peak phase of your career and looking at ascending towards the top 10 and you need to begin to restore and relearn the movement at that level of play and to need to do that at that level and at that time you are more susceptible then for that ranking if it's 25 to regressing to 35 40 50 before you're able to progress again okay um if a player or athlete uh, never learned a discrete skill that is vital and essential to the performance and execution of the overall technique what chance does that player have to perform their technique optimally if they don't know any better and you know this is what it comes down to like if they don't know any better it's again what they were taught and what that feel is and what is normal to them so players are very vulnerable in this respect because they obviously rely on the coach's knowledge base so this is a big um, you know red flag for the parents out there you want to make sure the coach has upskilled so they're, they're privy to this they're, they're conscious of this and for the athletes players out there please don't be disheartened but be mindful of just because something feels normal to you that's your normal but it might not be the best practice it might not lead to optimal performance outcomes there's always going to be a need to tweak and so make those minor adjustments and we talk about this or I talk about this in a, a lot of my publications is that we we term them I do as micro discrepancies because when you're at the elite echelon of play it really is those, those minuscule differences that set the best in the world apart from the rest. So we're looking at the top 10, but more so those who have won a Grand Slam championship more than once. So it's not just those who have won one Grand Slam. Even though that's an incredible accomplishment, we're looking at replicated success, so multiple Grand Slams. So we can really set that market high. So we know exactly what we're talking about to get to the top 10 and to reach uh, the pinnacle of play. And you want to get there. You want to edge closer. And obviously those, those micro discrepancies are key. Uh, but to get there, you need to get right. That, that ranking needs to ascend towards the top 10 to give yourself the best chance now look that's not to say that you're ranked 30 20 in the world and you win a grand slam we know that's happened and it's actually more common these days than it, than it once was and then progressively that player if they maintain that level of play they head towards the top 10 and eventually become a barrier breaker so it's sometimes it obviously works i guess um on opposing sides the grand slam comes before that top 10 ranking so it's not please be mindful of if you are not ranked inside the top 10 that doesn't mean you can't win a grand slam sometimes obviously that top 10 ranking is a reward for winning 
winning that grand slam but those micro discrepancies are absolutely fundamental to win that grand slam so please don't be mistaken there but to get there that's where it's about obviously restoring and relearning that movement so you can move closer to that top echelon of play all right i'll finish on just a final point here quite simply they are limited from the get-go so the players a player's ability to perform optimally is restricted purely because their coach neglected to teach their player a discrete skill that is necessary to perform the serial skill so the technique and look we've touched on this and we're going to end on that because if a certain part of a technique is neglected whether it was neglected when the athlete was 12 so it was continuously neglected from 16 to 18 to 21 and trust me it's no longer going to be neglected when that player gets to 30 in the world and they're looking to ascend to the top 10 they, because a time's going to come where it's, it's going to need to be tweaked to ascend further. There are obviously certain techniques that you, you can get away with. But when I say get away with, the likelihood of you developing an injury along the way are, is incredibly high. So you need to ask yourself, is the risk of that injury, it's worth it? And you don't know the severity of that because we've got players um, in their early 20s who have had surgery already, which means it's not just rest or time off or just, you know, working on, it's literally surgery. And these type of surgeries should not be happening until a lot later on, if at all. Um, and that it's, it's a very uh, disheartening and sad to know that if you had those right foundations from the beginning, the likelihood of preventing that is very high. But that makes it even more important to just put that work in to safeguard you for the future. And again, we'll wrap this up by saying that if you're looking at developing that top 10 tennis ranking, this is where it becomes absolutely fundamental to put in the work, to relearn, and at times regress uh, to optimize those um, performance parameters to deliver that optimal performance outcome when we're looking at heading towards that top 10 tennis ranking. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I've had a lot of fun. I, I hope you have too. Uh, look, to grab a copy of The Secrets to Optimal Performance Success, please head on over to AM8 International. That is am8international.com. For any comments or questions, please head on over to AM8 International All Topic Thread. That's the only social network I am on. But Beyond Top 10 Tennis is now on a handful of other social platforms. Um, and all of those links are in the bio so they're in the episode notes so please do check them out please come and say hi um, I would love to see you there um, if you would like something different head on over to pink octopus books that's where my fictional release is so that's a bit of fun especially I guess for the, for the parents out there um, I will leave um, all the links in the bio so and the show notes um, 
If you should enjoy today's episode, please subscribe, follow, like, maybe give us a five stars if you really enjoyed it. That would be absolutely phenomenal. And I think as always, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and you got some really key insights and enjoyed our discussion. Um, and again, feedback is incredibly welcome. For those who have sent it th- sent it through, thank you so much. Um, and those who are thinking, don't be shy, please do send it through. There's no right or wrong there. It just allows us to better shape and frame episodes to come. So thank you so much for being mindful of that or keeping that in mind. Um, and again, I think on that note, thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Morgan Burge, and this is Beyond Top 10 Tennis, and I'll see you next time.